Hey gorgeous, if you want success on your fertility journey, you've got to have the mindset for it. It's time to kick fear, negativity, doubt, shame, jealousy, and the whole clown car of low vibe fertility journey BS to the curb. I'm your host, Roseanne Austin, fertility mindset master, former prosecutor and recovering type A control freak perfectionist. I use the power of mindset to get pregnant naturally and have my baby boy at 43, despite years of fertility treatment failure. I help women across the globe beat the odds on their fertility journey just like I did. Get ready for a quick hit of confidence, joy, feminine badassery, and loads of hell yes for your fertility journey. It's time to get fearless, baby, fearlessly fertile. Let's do this. Welcome to the Fearlessly Fertile Podcast, episode 225. Yes, to life on her terms equals miracle baby, Diana's story. Oh, my loves, I am ready to dance a jig right now. I am super, super stoked for yet another one of my miracle mamas coming onto the podcast to share her experience on this journey in her life and in the process of making her dreams come true. And I got to tell you, if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you get the idea that I work with some pretty fucking extraordinary women. Well, when you meet Diana, you're going to freak out because this woman is a Belgian powerhouse. So Diana refused to wait around for the perfect Prince Charming or arbitrary permission from some fucking government alleged authority to decide for her whether or not she was having her baby. She wanted to take her happiness into her own hands. And that is exactly what she did. And if you really listen close, to what my ladies are saying. It's about stepping into their own power and ending this garbage of apologizing for what they wanted and really standing in the vision that they have for their life. And that is exactly what Diana did. You are going to hear how Diana began to approach her life in a completely different way, letting go of past judgments, letting go of what other people think of her, and really taking a stand for living on her terms, having this baby on her terms, and refusing to accept less than what she truly desires. And you're going to hear, I mean, this woman does not take no for an answer. And that just that didn't just apply in her relationships. This applied to the professionals that she was working with on this journey. No is not a word that this woman was willing to listen to. And it's that kind of grit. It's that kind of resolve. It's that kind of decision making that took her from a place of believing that, hey, maybe this wasn't going to happen for her to living the way that she lives today with her beautiful son in a beautiful location back in her home country. So if you're in a place where you're thinking, hey, shit, this isn't going to work out for me, turn this episode up because Diana is going to inspire you to, to just run through walls for this baby. So here is my conversation with the amazing Diana. Thank you for inviting me. Although when we had the interview, I said I wouldn't do it, if uh, you remember. <laughs> well, let's jump right in because I'm curious. Tell me what changed your mind. Tell me what made you want to change your mind and share your story. All those women who helped me, like when I was, when I, when I was in Qatar, I was going for walks and listening to your podcasts. And every time I was thinking, yeah, it's nice to hear that I'm not alone and then see that all the people are sharing their story. And I was like, 
maybe I should share mine. I had some, some friends here that I found out are facing issues as well. And I'm trying to give them the, um, the energy that you gave me, but it's not working. I wish they were speaking English. You know, I shared the podcast, but their English is not so good. Why don't you start by just sharing with the women listening where you once were a little bit about how you found yourself on this journey and then how we met. So I met you not like face to face in 2019. So I started the journey, like I took the decision in January 2019 to, to start the IVF treatment because I was fed up of waiting for a husband because I've been waiting for a very long time. And yes, I had a boyfriend at the time, but it was not a, I thought he was not material for, for husband. Then I started to do the research and I'm from Belgium, but I was living at the time in Qatar, which is not really authorized to have a child by yourself. Like as a single mom, you need to be married. So so I started all the process in Belgium applying. And then I found out that if I do the treatment in Belgium, I need to see a psychologist and she's going to decide whether I'm a good mom, I'm fit to be a mom or no. And I was like, why would I do that? Like, So I decided to look around and I found other countries that didn't really care about, like it's your decision, not their decision. So, so I decided to go for Cyprus. And uh, so I started the, to check my body. And then I found out that I have cysts where I've been going for to the OBGYN for 30 years and nobody ever told me you have cysts in the ovary. So I was a bit shocked, you know, because I thought it's going to be easy. I'm going to go for treatment and then boom, I'm going to be a mom. So I called the clinic in Cyprus and I say, yeah, everything is fine, except that I have cysts. And then they said, no, you can't start the treatment. If you have cysts, you need to do laparoscopy. So I was like, okay. And you know, it takes time to schedule everything. So I was like, okay, fine. So I did the laparoscopy in Gen- in July. No, yeah, in Ju- beginning of July. And then I went for the checkup in August and the cysts were back. So I called the clinic and I said, like, the cysts are back. And they said, okay, then come and we're going to do a aspiration and then you can do the treatment. So that's what I did. And uh, so I went in October thinking, piece of cake, I'm ready. I went totally unprepared physically and mentally, because I didn't know. I thought I could just take the medicine and boom, you're pregnant. So it got a big slap on my face. So that's when I found you by accident, actually. And so I was in Cyprus doing the treatment and I was watching on Facebook and I don't know how Facebook showed up your advertisement. And so I Googled it and then I found like free podcasts, like have a look. So I started to listen to your podcast. And I found your book, the first one. So while I was in Cyprus, I was reading the book and I did my uh, board. But because I'm in Cyprus, it's not my house. So I have no material, nothing. So I went to buy uh, scissors. And and then I stole all the little brochures from the IVF clinic, you know, so I can create my uh, my board and everything. It was so cute. And uh, I, th- I don't have it here, but I, would, I wish I had it. And so I get the... Um, the treatment, and then uh, no embryo came out of it. And I just like, fuck, okay, it's okay. Listen to a few more podcasts, you know, get boosted. Uh, my favorite one actually is the one with um, Siegel, right? Bernie Siegel? Oh, yeah, Dr. Siegel, yeah. This one, I've been listening to it like nonstop. 
on repeat most of the time. I even read the book after that. So I get boosted by your podcast and it's going to be fine. I'm going to be a mom because that's what I'm meant to be. And I'm still stingy, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to pay for coaching. The book <laughs> is good. The podcast is okay. So I'm, I'm going for it. And then I go again. And uh, this time I have one embryo, but nothing, you know, and I'm just like, okay. And then COVID hits. So when I do the transfer, the second transfer, COVID hits and we, we travel back. So, so my mom comes with me, we travel back and she goes back to Belgium. I go back to, to Qatar because the transfer was earlier. I decided, okay, let's fly earlier. That way I can still be at home and relax before going back to work. And uh, just two days later, they shut down the, the borders and nobody's flying anymore. So lucky us, we were back at home and, uh, and get the 12 days waiting. And again, boom, bleeding. So just like, no, something is wrong, you know? So I go again. And then, so that was the, the second time. The third time I went again and it was again a failure. And the fourth time I said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go for coaching classes. There must be something I'm not doing good. You know, I have my call with you and we talk. And, uh, and then I was like, we call it the project because people cannot know in Qatar that I'm doing that because you never know who's your friend, who's not your friend, you know? So I had like, everything was always secret. You know, people were asking me, why you always go to Cyprus? And say, oh, we love this. It's an island. You know, it's a tiny island. There's nothing to do there. So, oh, we love the city. We meet in, in the center. My mom is traveling as well. And, you know, every time you have to lie and, and it's stressful because you have to keep everything secret, you know? So I had only like three, four friends who knew about it and my family in Belgium and you knew about it, you know? And I had a support group as well in, in US, like online that I found that with old women from my, uh, my age. So it, it was still secret, you know, it's, it's uh, scary. And, and I'm just like, okay, I remember what you said. You say you have to do this, you know, <laughs> right? And so, so after our, our coaching class, I, I think the, my last coaching session was when I, before traveling to Cyprus again. And that time I thought like, this is it now with my mom, like this is it. going to get pregnant. I did everything and we're good to go. And then I go there and I buy my uh, pregnancy trousers because it's cheaper there. So I'm all excited. I'm going to wear them and uh, come back to, Bel to Qatar and uh, boom, not working. And I'm thinking there must be something I'm doing wrong because it's not working. So I review all your classes, like all your coaching sessions. And, and I'm not a talker, like, yeah, I'm a talkative person, but I'm not a, a sharing person. So if you remember during the coaching class, maybe I ask once or two questions, but most of the time I'm just listening, taking notes and like, comparing myself to the others, like, oh, me too, I'm in this situation, or I'm going to take note of that because it's interesting. And I was in a, what at the time I didn't know was a unhealthy relationship. Mm -hmm. So because I did all the things, the diets, the, the yoga session, the meditation, the EFT therapy, the, um, the fitness, the, the vitamins, I've done everything. Uh, did I say meditation? Yeah. Yes. I've done everything that I was meant to be. And the only thing I didn't do, yeah, I was on and off with the boyfriend because um, it was an unhealthy relationship, right. I guess. 
So I keep breaking up and going back and breaking up. And every time I would go to Cyprus and we break up, he puts stress on me. Mm-hmm. And I thought the last time, it was in July, that's what hit me. And I was like, no, I did everything now. I'm mentally fit. All the coaching has been done. All the Everything is done. There is one. The only thing I didn't do is leave Qatar. And I was like, this is it. If I want my baby, I need to change to make changes in my life. And I was like, okay, I'm going to leave Qatar. And I love this country, you know, and just talking about it, I get goosebumps, you know, the, the dream job, the, my boss is amazing. I, I really didn't want to leave. So I, my boss was coming back in, in September. And so in July, I get the bleeding and I was like, okay, I started to, to plan everything. And I started affirmations, you know, so I, so I found this book with Louisa something, you know. Louise and, Hay? Yes. And she had this move. She, she was moving to a, from city and she had this affirmation about having an easy move. So I kind of reproduced the same sentence and it was in my fridge. It was in my, nobody knew I was leaving, you know, only my parents. I had to wait for my boss to come because he, out of respect, I wanted him to be the first one to know, you know, after. 13 years of relationship, I wanted him to be the first one. I go to uh, my little sentence. I start taking pictures of all my stuff that I'm going to sell because I don't want to ship them. And then September comes. I tell his assistant, I want a meeting with the, with the boss. And she was like, yeah, sure. So she arranged the meeting and I drive to his office. He has like a different office, you know. And I reach his office and then he sit down on the chair, like on the, his sofa, you know, and he say, how are you doing, Diana? And then I start crying for what felt like 30 minutes. I'm sure it was like five, six minutes, you know, and I couldn't keep it anymore. And I emptied my bag. You know? I told him everything. I told him about Cyprus, about the treatment, about me wanting to be a mom. And I think it unblocked something in me. And I was like, yeah, I'm leaving. It's time for me to go home. I want a family. And he was like, you know what? Go for it. Because as, as a Qatari person, you know, what, what I thought he would be against, he told me the, the biggest philosophers in Islam were raised by single moms. And then that was it. It's not that I was waiting for his... Um, blessing or because I know he has nothing to say, but hearing that from him meant so much to me. And then I had another boss where I went to as well. And he said, like, if you need help, I know a good clinic in the in UK. I can give you the contact details. I have friends who've been there. Don't worry, it's gonna work. And um I'm gonna keep your job. And then you come back in one year and uh take it back. And I was like, no, but you're not understanding. I'm gonna keep going until I get my baby. I'm not coming back until I get my baby. And it was like, yes, but you won't be stressed anymore. So in one year, you can come back with the baby. And I was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> but my parents, you know, I want them to be with my, uh, my baby if it works. And I was like, oh, okay. So, so I left in a good relationship and I left also with the, the openness of those people that really matter to me for, for so many years. You know, I never thought that I would have their backup. And, um, and so I, I reached Belgium in November. And I kind of, so from July till November, 
I kind of give up, you know, I let go. So I stopped the dieting and I gained 10 kilos, 12 kilos, you know, <laughs> because, because of the stress, not having, I left without a job, you know? So I reached Belgium and I need to find a job. I have been after 20 years, I need to do all the paperwork for my health insurance, for buying a car, getting a settled, you know, finding a house, everything. And I'm just like, okay, thank God I read Roseanne's adv advice book, The Universe Has My Back, <laughs> right? So, so after that, I'm just, okay, I'm looking for a car, I'm doing all the paperwork. And then when I'm done with all the paperwork, I'll travel to see my brother in Czech Republic. It's okay. And then I get a call from my friend and he said, are you back to Belgium? And I was like, yeah. And he said, like, definitely. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Are you looking for a job? I was like, yeah. And he said, you know that job I told you about like three years ago? It's again, if yeah, but if you want it. And I was like, okay, let me send my CV. And I found the job. I got the job before I got the car. Can you believe it? <laughs> I got the job before I got the car. And I asked my new boss, when would you like me to start? Thinking she's going to say, oh, when do you want to start? And she say, January. And we are end like mid beginning of uh, December. And I know Christmas, my family is coming to Belgium. So beginning of January, that means I cannot travel to see, I cannot rest. You know, I was like, okay. And then, so I came back to, uh, I, get, I start the job, everything is fine. And then um, I decide I'm going to go because I'm working from home, which is the dream job. You know, I really like it because I don't have to travel. It's, it's a very nice job and it's an American company as well. So I can keep focusing on my English and everything, you know, <laughs> so everything is perfect. You know, I decide I'm going to go to, um, to Cyprus, back to Cyprus in March and see how it goes, you know. But before that, I went for a new test that I found in, on one of the websites. It's like a genetic, it's not a genetic test. It's to find out what's happening when, when, when they transfer the embryo. Is, is everything normal? So I called, when I was in Qatar, I called the Belgium clinic and I said, I want to do this test. And they tell me, no, we only do that test if you do your treatment in Belgium. And I say, no, I can't do my treatment in Belgium because my frozen embryos are in Cyprus. So I can't ship them to Belgium, you know? So they say, yeah, sorry, we can't do it. And then I start taking, a, what do you say again? Advocate for myself. Yeah, taking charge, girl. Exactly. So I make a big scene. And I was like, this is unacceptable. You tell you, you're saying you're helping people, but you're not. How can you do that to me? Uh, this is not fair. And this is discrimination. So after fighting on the phone with the woman, she said, okay, let me speak to the doctor and we see what can be done. And she said, okay, you can come. So I went for the test in November because you have to be there for one month to you know, go and check. Uh, it's like uh, embryo transfer. So they need to do a biopsy. So I go there and then I ask her in case I get pregnant the next time, can I do my follow-up? Because my clinic is in Cyprus. I'm not staying in Cyprus. So can I do my follow-up in Belgium with you? And she said, yes, but only for the 12th first week. I was like, okay, fair enough. You know? So March, I go to Cyprus with my new, yeah, I had some issues. That's why the embryos were not sticking because I think my body was um, attacking the, the embryos. So I have kind of new medicine as part of the protocol. Go to Cyprus, 
everything is fine. I only stay for a few days, do an embryo transfer. Then I fly back to, uh, to, Be- to Belgium. I miss my flights. So with my, oh no, I forgot to tell you about my embryos. So I had three embryos left, which were in one tube. And then the doctors tells me, we're going to do two embryos and toast the other one. And I was like, what? And I was like, yeah, once it's, what, once it's unfrozen, you can't keep it anymore. And I said, no, you're putting the three embryos in. I don't care. You know, I want the three embryos in. And it was like, yeah, but you know, it's, it's a bit risky. And I said, I don't care. You're not throwing away. You're not wasting one of them. You put the three in, you know? And he said, okay, then we'll do that. And then, so I had issue with the progesterone. And I do the blood test before the day before the embryo transfer to make sure it's good and it's bad. So I call the clinic and they tell me it's bad, but it's okay. We're going to give you injections on uh, tomorrow when you come for the transfer. And I was like, no, I want the, tra- the injection now. I want one tonight and I want one tomorrow morning before the transfer because there's no way. You know, I have low progesterone. I need it. And I was crying, you know, before that, when they said, no, you will give it to you tomorrow. And thank God I remember all the stuff you told me. Because after I had a fight again by WhatsApp, you know, and I said, no, I want it now. And so they deliver my drugs by taxi, you know, in the hotel. Yeah. And I got the injections before that, before going, and then one before the transfer and uh, everything went fine. And then I go to come back to Belgium. I miss the flight connection. So they tell me I have to run with my embryos where you're not supposed to do exercise and everything. So I start running to catch my other flight, which I miss, of course. And then I'm in Istanbul, stuck. And then the guy doesn't want to give me my luggage. But the drugs is in my luggage. He said, no, but it's in that, that way in the morning it goes straight. And I said, no, I want my luggage. So I had to fight again for my luggage. <laughs> it was a disaster. So I got the luggage back, went to the hotel, got the medicine. And then I, um, what I remember that you said is that you shouldn't stop living your life because of the, because waiting for the baby. And so I had planned a trip to, to Rome with my brother before being pregnant. And I, I had uh, all the business trips with the work that I didn't want to cancel because, you know, it's my first year in the organization. I want to make sure they believe in me and trust me. So I kept, I, I was like being normal, you know, and that's, I think, so when I, when I went to, um, so the 12th day pass, I go for my uh, blood. I'm not bleeding, which is a good thing because usually it bleeds after eight days. And then I go to the, to the clinic and my brother is a nurse. So you remember, I send you the picture. My brother does the picture. I took the picture of my brother doing the blood test for me. And then he calls me a few hours later and he said, congratulations. And I just like, are you joking? And he was like, you think I'm going to joke about that? And I was like, you're serious? So I'm getting excited, you know? And he was like, yeah, it's positive. So I get all excited, but let's be patient. You know, you have to do a second blood test a few days later to make sure it's on. And so, okay, I'm pregnant. I go to the clinic in, um, in, in Brussels with my pregnancy trousers. You know, <laughs> Might as well use them. You don't know for how long you're going to be pregnant. So I go for with my pregnancy trousers to do a check. And then uh, she's laughing at me. And I I was like, yeah, I already put my pregnancy trouser, you know, know, because I'm excited. We expect this. Exactly. 
And so she said, everything is fine. I hear the, the heartbeat and everything. And it's just like, oh, it's real, you know, and it, it's real, but you still don't want to, um, don't want to really go for it. Like you still have this little hesitation, you know? And then, um, and then after seven weeks, I think I start bleeding and, and I didn't know. So I go to the bathroom and I come out with blood and my parents, I'm living with my parents at that time because I was in a, buying a house. And so I reached the sofa, you know, and I said, I think, I think it's over. And so my parents are sad, you know, I'm sad and, and it's Sunday night. So I can't go to the clinic. So I call my clinic in Brussels and they said, the only thing you need to do is go now to the emergency and find out, you know? So I go to the emergency in my city and after five hours of waiting in the emergency, you know, because, because it's all the ER is like this, right? This woman comes and she check me and she say, he's still there and he's really active. And I'm just like, oh. And she said, you have to rest and uh, avoid moving and everything. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah. But four days later, I was traveling to Rome you know, with my brother to travel, to visit, not for business. Or So it's like, I can't cancel. You know, it's a, I've never been there. It's a trip that we have planned and we are excited. And my brother was moving to another country this year, you know, so it was like a gathering together, you know? So I was like, yeah. no, I'm not, um, I'm going to Rome. So I'm going to Rome and uh, we're walking 20 kilometers a day because there's so many things to see. And that, that was the best trip ever, you know, because while I have to keep hiding from being pregnant in Belgium from everybody, because, you know, the three first months you don't talk about it, in Rome, every things you visit, you have to go through the, um, through the security gates and if you're pregnant, you cannot go. So you have to say you're pregnant. So for, for four days, I could tell I'm pregnant. And I could take the lift to go to the, to the big things. And, and I was like, oh, my God, it's so good to say I'm pregnant. <laughs> I really, it was amazing. And so I, I kept traveling. So my baby traveled to Paris. So we went to Rome for holiday. We went to Paris for business three days later because um, I had a show that was standing like for three days, eight hours a day, smiling on the booth. Then after we traveled to, uh, to Germany three times for again for work, I went to Prague to see Imagine Dragon with the baby. He loves now. So when he's crying, I just put him Imagine Dragons and he stopped crying. People are looking weird at me when I'm at the hospital, you know, for, for testing. And that's the only way I calm him down. You know? He loves Imagine Dragons. Yes. And, and trust me, I'm not a big fan of them. I only went because it was a, a family concert. You know, everybody was going. So I was like, yeah, I'm going, you know, so, but I he love loves him. it. And so I'm taking him to Prague next week. So, yeah. So the more I was going and my mom, you know, just so you know, my mom is not, wasn't part of my BAM squad. I remember that. Yeah, she was uh, kicked out way before I got pregnant. So my mom, every time I would do something like travel for business or for holiday, I was like, no, but it's not good for the baby. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do this. This is not healthy. This is risky. I couldn't paint my kitchen cabinet. Yeah. So I moved to the, to the house, which is old house, and I'm refixing it. And, and the cabinets were ugly, so I wanted to paint them in blue. 
to be a bit more modern, you know. No, you can't. It's dangerous. I'm sitting on the floor. What, what is dangerous, you know? I'm sitting on the floor. It's water paint. And I'm just doing this, you know. You so, didn't yes. take on her fear, Diana. No. You didn't and, take on her fear. And I knew when I had to stop. So when I had to to sit down during the show, for example, I would tell my, they didn't know I was pregnant. I would say like, oh, my feet hurt. So I'm going to sit down a little bit and then it would be fine. And then after in, I told them in June, because I couldn't hide it with the way that I gained before being pregnant, you know, it was hard to hide it after, you know? So, but yeah, so in June, I announced that I was pregnant and, um, and so it was easier to do stuff, you know, and I was fighting with my colleagues. So one of them, I had to, I almost slapped her because she, she didn't want me to help carry boxes. But when I say carry boxes, it's not like 10 kilos boxes. It was just a box with papers in it. And like, I'm not disabled. I'm just pregnant. I can do things. So, so it was really funny, you know, but, but I wouldn't uh, abuse it. You know, so if I knew like one time they had a lot of boxes to carry, I would say, no, I'm not going to do it. But if it was a small equipment or, you know, a coffee machine, I'm not. a. So, yeah, so it was perfect. You know, Diana, this is just I mean, your story is so extraordinary for so many reasons. I mean, just listening to it again, my eyes were getting watery because. I thought to myself, here is this woman who loves herself and loves her dream enough to make some rather dramatic changes. You followed your heart like all the way to this baby because I remember that there was part of what was going on for you was being in that relationship that wasn't awesome. It wasn't good for your heart. And you were willing to get out of the story that you needed to be a certain way in order to have this baby. You decided yeah. on your terms how you were doing this. You were going to do this single. You were going to do this, you know, as an advocate for yourself, right? Like you weren't listening to anyone tell you that you couldn't have the medication, you couldn't have the test, you couldn't have the things that you needed all the way. Like that's the coaching, you know? Because I, I was believing the doctors before. The first time I went to Cyprus, the woman kept telling me, if every time I would ask her a question, I'm a task person, you know, task list person, you know. So I had my list of questions, and I was like, "What is this? Uh, how is it going to work?" And and every answer she was telling me was, "If you were 35, I would answer this." And so after the fifth time saying, "If you were 35, I lost it." And, and the relationship started wrongly with this woman, which was in charge of international affair. And I remember you told us to write this letter to uh, forgive people. And when I did write that letter to that woman, and I went after to the, when, when I was in Cyprus, the, the, the time after, and I saw her coming down the stairs to welcome me, I didn't have that anger anymore. I was peaceful, you know? I even after that, she, when I went the last time, she wasn't in the clinic anymore. And I did text her to tell her I'm pregnant. And I sent her a picture of, of the baby because I did forgive her for, for the, if you are 35, you know, 
She doesn't know. You helped me believe in myself, actually, and do the changes that I was fucking scared to take. You know, yeah. because because yes, I loved Qatar and I wish I could have built my family there, but changing everything that I did, the way you guided me actually made me realize like it's not like you told me you need to change boyfriend or you need to change country. All the the tools that you gave me made me realize if I really want to be a mom, this is what I have to do now. So I found the, the, the things that I had to change the, thanks to the way you coached all the women because I was not asking questions. You know? <laughs> well, you always ask smart questions. I remember, you know, I remember, you know, people I have, this is just 10 years in the courtroom as a prosecutor gave me a very sharp memory for the way people are watching people. And you were always there, always enthusiastic, always ready to go, even if you didn't have a question. But I could see, Diana, that you were thinking. Yeah. I could see it. I could see that it was getting through. And, you know, think about how much you changed because I think you, in July to November. Yeah. It happened that fast because you had your transfer when you got pregnant, which month? What was that? So when I got pregnant, it was in March. Right. So, so three months, think- like four months after leaving Qatar and doing all the changes that you guide me to do, it worked. Yeah. I mean, like, it's crazy to me because if we take July to July, like your life was completely different. Not only were you no longer in Qatar, you're freaking pregnant. Yeah. Like Less than a year after leaving you know? I mean, it's extraordinary. I mean, people don't believe me when I tell them, look, if you want to change, if you're super committed to making this dream come true, it's absolutely possible. I don't care what has happened in the past, but when you change, the result changes. It has exactly. to. And you remember that I bought my baby chair? Yes. <laughs> so I bought my rocking chair because, you know, you have to believe in being pregnant. Yes. And, and I had this dream of this rocking chair for the baby for ages. And every time I would go to the baby shop and I would see it, it costed a fortune. And I was like, I can't afford this, you know, especially if I'm traveling back to Europe. And then I was walking around the shop with my friend and we went to this other shop, which is not a baby shop. And they had a rocking chair. It's not a baby rocking chair. It's more like the the TV rocking chair, but Uh this is exactly the one I wanted. And it's like, this is it. I'm buying it. And when I told people I'm taking it to Belgium, it's there upstairs, you know, and he loves it. <laughs> and I was like, of course he loves it. Well, I'm so- shipping it to Belgium. And I was like, but you can buy any. No, this is my baby chair. I'm taking it with me. You know, Diana, mm-hmm. what you're what you're really demonstrating here is that we have control. And yeah. when we decide that we are not taking no for an answer. And you are an advocate for yourself. Anything is possible. I mean, think about the medications. Think about the chair. I mean, like everything that you did was taking a stand for you. Yeah. And what I appreciate is, yeah, it took me four years from the beginning of the concept, I would say, (laughs) to achieve it. But those four years were not wasted at all. Because before being pregnant, you know, so when I was in Qatar, it's, it's different kind of life, you know. 
I had the gym. I had a yoga teacher. I, I was doing everything with people, you know, people helping me, coaching me. And uh, when I moved to Belgium, I live in a very small town. The gym is like 30 minutes drive. I'm not going to drive 30 minutes to go to the fitness. Or So I was telling my coach, my fitness coach in Qatar, thank you. Because thanks to you, those four years where we trained, my pregnancy for my age, as people say, were amazing. It was amazing. You know, compared to people, I had no back pain. Yeah, I had shit, huh? All the hormonal things, I got them. Of course. You know, but it's okay. You know, I ate two kilos of uh, baking soda for burning, uh, for acid reflux in nine months because from day one I was pregnant, I had acid reflux. I didn't know what it was before. Now I understand people. I feel sorry for those people who have that all their life. I swear, this is awful. This is so painful. So for nine months, I had to eat, drink water with baking soda because that's the only thing that was working. And it's disgusting. Yes. I can't wait for him to be allowed to drink normal f- stuff to show him what I've been through. And it was worth every bit of it. So yes. Well, so what are some of the things? Like, I mean, because you, your son was born. I mean, that's we're, we've been talking about him this whole time, really. But like, yeah, it's a boy, by the way, because yeah. we didn't know what it was until it came out. Oh, I love it. I love it's it. A and boy. So, so what would you want the women listening to take away from this? Because here you are, this this globe trotting woman, Qatar, Belgium, Rome. I mean, like you lived your life. You did this your way. You didn't let somebody else's belief about needing a partner stop you. You did this completely on your terms and you didn't let age stop you. You didn't let anything stop you. So what would you want the women listening to know? What are some nuggets of wisdom? I would say I didn't want to do it by myself. If I had the opportunity to do it with somebody, I would have done it. But it was not an option anymore after the breakup, you know. I was not going to do another two years to meet somebody and decide whether we want a family or I'm not at that age anymore. So, and my parents were fine. Like my family was fine with it. My brother, when I told them, even asked me why you, I wanted to ask you that two years ago. Why don't you do it? But I didn't think about it because I always thought my husband would come, Mm. you know? And then I decided, you know what? The husband can come after. I'm still going to have my baby. And if the husband wants to come, then he would come. But I would say, so during during all the the four years of uh, treatment, I would say, although it was COVID, so that's why there was, I didn't have too many opportunities to do treatments because I had to travel. The first three years, every time my my family would say, uh, oh, we want to go on holiday there, or we want to go there. And my answer would always be, I can't give you an answer because I don't know how the treatment is going to work when I will be able to go for treatment when I, you know, and everything was related to treatment first and then life. And with your coaching, I realized like, no, this is life and treatment tags along and this is life. And if the baby wants to be part of it, he's going to tag along. And if he wants to be there, he's going to be there. And so Before going to Cyprus the last time, I was telling my mom, you know, what would be nice is if I could find the house 
before traveling. And uh, that way, you know, all one, one worry less, you know. So I have the job, I have the car. If I have the house, then I can really go peacefully in Cyprus. And two days before flying, I signed on a house, which is just opposite. So I'm on number 14 of the street, and I grew up on number three, where my parents oh. are. So I have free babysitting, you know, it's amazing. And my parents can see the baby all the time when, when they want. It's very easy, very convenient as well. And it's a nice village, you know, it's very, because it's, um, it's a village, it's full of greenery, like um, cows and sheep. And, you know, it's the village of uh, fruit, uh, fruit trees. So there is like, there is a lot of apple, uh, apple trees, pears. It's the the village next door is a strawberry area, you know. You it's created nature. your dream life. You created yes. the life you really wanted. Yeah, and the house is even a chicken house that I need to fix, but it's already almost there, you know. And the, they also had a small, um, what do you call that, to to plant vegetables, you know. Oh yeah, planter yeah. boxes. Yeah. Yeah. So they also have that ready. I just need to fix it. And a big garden for my son to play football. Everything I is ready, you know. You know, but but the, the reason it doesn't surprise me that this happened for you, Diana, because you were willing to believe, even though the current circumstances and the quote unquote past failures would suggest otherwise, you kept your eye on what you wanted. Yeah, I didn't even. Let's say I didn't even grieve the failures. Because I didn't see them really as failures. I was yes. like, the first one was, was a total waste of money for me. Because I really went unprepared. I was even drinking coffee before. Nobody told me, don't drink, don't drink coffee if you want to get pregnant. You know, nobody, like, yeah, I knew for alcohol and cigarettes, for example. But coffee, you know, nobody told me to not use deodorant, use an organic one or... You know, so I had to re retrain myself. And because it was not something I was talking about, people were wondering, like in Qatar, you know, my friends were wondering, what the fuck is wrong with this woman? You know, why why is she why is she not drinking coffee anymore? Why is she not why is she taking this? Why is she doing that? You know? And I was like, no, I want to be healthier. <laughs> and then when I told them, because when I left Qatar, I, my friends, I explained to them. All those weird stuff I was doing, I was like, oh, no, I get it, you know. Now they get it. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, your story is such an inspiration, Diana, and I just am so honored that you decided that you wanted to share it, and the reasons that you're sharing it are so good and they are so generous because I think that so many women out there think that everything needs to be perfect before they can call in their baby. And what's interesting is what the real conditions are, are for you to be happy, for you to live your life, because everything else is coming. It is coming. It always finds a way to find you. Yeah, that's that's the thing, actually. It's not you have to go for it. It's him or her who's going to come to you, actually. That reminds me, conceiving is all about receiving. You have to be willing to receive this baby. That's right. That's exactly the way that we started. 
Yeah. Keeping your, your, yourself open, not this Darth Vader death grip that we always try to have. And that's what I stopped in November in, um, when I, July, when I came back, that's when I realized like, I need to let go now. That's why I stopped the diets. And I was like, I even went to Cyprus, not thinking it's going to work. You know, I just went for, for another try, you know, and I never believed it would work. And and when you told me, do you want to join the podcast at the beginning? And I was like, mm, let me wait. You remember I was, <laughs> it's not that I didn't want to be part of the podcast is that I didn't want to jinx it oh. because, I, because I was still wondering. And even now, when I look at him, I just like, I can't believe it worked, you know, and my friends in Qatar that knew about it, like they are amazed that everything I talked about and the way I changed my, um, my mental with the time, with the coaching and everything, they are amazed by the, the story actually. It's an amazing story. And it's also amazing how quickly those changes were made and, and how profound those changes were. You didn't just change a little bit, Diana, you like changed your (laughs) world, right? And everything started happening for you. You opened yourself up. You stopped beating yourself up. You stopped accepting less than what you deserve in a relationship. And you didn't allow other people to scare you. You advocated for yourself and you had your vision. And now today you have your home in the countryside, in a beautiful village with your son. I mean, dude, I'm so freaking happy for you and proud of you because you are such a good example for everyone listening out there that you don't have to live by other people's limitations. No. So, so thank you so much for sharing your story, my love. It's, it's just, I can't wait for women to hear this. This is so good. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for trusting me. Thank you for inviting me into your life. Thank you for helping me. And I, I know I've been saying that since the beginning, but uh, you cannot imagine how, what you did for me is uh, amazing. You know, and when I see him, it's just like, if he was a girl, maybe I would have called him Roseanne, you know? <laughs> Please, no. I'm sure there's an amazing Bel- but, <laughs> there's but probably I, a, a Belgian name that's like way better. <laughs> I, I was looking for, for names, you know, and uh, I had like a list of names for girls and for, for boys. So I was after when I selected the name, I started to look at the, the meaning of those names to see if there is something that catch. And I choose Matthew because Matthew means gift of God. And I think he is my gift from God. Oh, he you is know. definitely my he is definitely your gift. I mean, I feel the same. And way he's about amazing. My son. Like not just because he's my son, obviously, but <laughs> he's amazing. Like the affirmations that I did all through my pregnancy, you know. The easy, the easy delivery, easy pregnancy, easy baby. He's not sleeping all the nights. Like now, I just put him to bed before. Co- I was, I was gonna change the the timing of the like delay from thirty minutes if it's possible because he was not sleeping yet. And then I put him in bed and he fell asleep by himself. He's not. Uh, he was sick the last two weeks with a cold, and he was still smiling and you know. He's, he's so adorable. You cannot imagine. It's an awesome baby. Yeah. A happy baby. Like I really, during the pregnancy, I think I really gave him all the positive vibes. 
You certainly did. And it's paying off, woman. So, wow. Well, thank you. So, affirmation, do work. Go for it. And I didn't know. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, love. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. It's such an honor. You're going to be touching so many women's lives. Don't give up. Don't give up. Okay. In French, don't give up. It doesn't look so gone, but ne laissez pas tomber. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I love it, woman. Thank you so much, Diana. We appreciate it. Loves. Didn't you fall in love with Diana? Like, I fucking love this woman. I love every woman that comes. I mean, every woman that I work with, it's because I actually fucking love them and believe in them. So I hope that you take the nuggets of wisdom that Diana rained down on all of us, tuck them into your back pocket and go fucking skip through some daisies on your path to this baby. Don't ever let anyone tell you no. What the fuck is that? Go stand in your power. Stand up straight like a woman who knows what she wants. Because when you show up to this journey like that, when you start thinking, believing, and taking action like a woman who succeeds, you, my love, cannot be stopped. And if you want to learn what I taught Diana, hey, look, the smartest thing you can do when you are not getting the results you want on this journey from your treatments, diets, lotions, potions, and all the other stuff you're doing is to get help with your mindset. Your success on this journey starts there. You can be part of the magic that women from around the world are bringing to each and every one of their cycles. By being part of my live group coaching programs, in fact, sister, the doors to my Fearlessly Fertile Full Throttle 90-day program will be closing very soon. It's super fucking exciting. I'm so excited to welcome the next class. This is a super fun program where you get a daily dose of Fearlessly Fertile goodness over the course of 90 days, plus three live group coaching calls with yours truly and women from around the world. And for those of you ready to go to the next level with my signature eight-week program, the Fearlessly Fertile Method, That is for women who intend to get pregnant in the next 12 months and say hell yes to covering their bases, mind and body. So you don't have to look back on this time in your life with regret. I work with women who are committed to success, just like Diana. To apply for your interview for my signature program, go to my website, www.frommaybetobaby.com and apply for an interview there. My methodology has helped women around the world make their mom dreams come true. You heard it here, folks. Their results speak for themselves. And if you don't have a mindset for success on this journey, baby, you got a gaping hole in your strategy. Let's fix that shit and set you up for success. Till next time, change your mindset, change your results. Love this episode of the Fearlessly Fertile podcast? Subscribe now and leave an awesome review. Remember, the desire in your heart to be a mom is there because it was meant for you. When it comes to your dreams, keep saying hell yes.